What a privilege it is to be here with all of you this morning. Honestly, it feels like I'm, I'm coming back home. And so it's, been re- it's really special to be with you. Um, now, for some of you, you may not know who I am at all uh, or even how we're connected, but we are connected somehow. Uh, how many of you guys know your, your worship pastors, Pastor Imua and Pastor Tifa? You guys remember them? Well, I was the one, is I'm Imua's best friend, and I actually introduced them. When, when they, when they to start even dating, and I was their best man at their wedding. So good. How many of you guys enjoyed Pastor Creighton's message last week, right? So awesome. You guys still have your bells in your pockets? You guys got your bells? Yeah. This man has mentored me for the last 13 years, and I would not be who I am today if it weren't for the grace and patience of that man. Now, He may look a a little intimidating at times, but I promise you, he is a teddy bear trapped in a samurai's body. All right, promise, I promise. (laughs) And then there's Pastor Renee. Pastor Renee, anyone blessed by Pastor Renee? Come on. Who isn't blessed by Pastor Renee? She is a mama in my life, blessed me beyond belief. Just the love, the way that she loves Jesus is unmatched. I mean, and the how she pours out into each of us, it's unreal. A little bit about me. I started dating my wife here in this church 11 years ago. Uh, we got married in this church almost eight years ago. And uh, actually, you know, in dating, Pastor Renee was actually trying to probe me. Like, hey, you should, you know, and I was like, oh, Okay. So we have two boys now, four years old and a 22-month-old, and man, it's really, really, really uh, exciting right now in the home. Not, not, yeah, anyway, I'm sure some of you raising, raising two boys or kids, and it's fun. Uh, but can I tell you, I have been praying for you guys for almost three months now. And uh, I remember when, when Papa Dale extended the invitation for me to come and be with the family, I got really excited. I got excited to see familiar faces. I got excited to, to me, even meet new faces of the family. And I'm ex- so excited and blessed to be here. And can I pass along just a real quick message from myself and your impact, Ohana, in Kaka'ako. We love you guys. We love you guys. We don't forget where we came from. And we continue to pray for you as you take steps closer to Jesus. And so, hey, this morning, I'm going to share with you about one of the heroes of my life, a hero of faith, a hero that we find in the Bible. And, you know, just speaking of heroes, that word, you know, there, did you know that there are so many songs with the lyrics with hero in it? Now, just to start us off, I want to play a little game. If you don't know anything about me, I'm, I, I love music. I'm kind of a music guy, and so I like to sing. And uh, what I want to do is I'm going to sing a lyric of a song, and, and I want you to just shout out when you, when you know who the artist is, all right? Just shout it out. Shout it out for me. Okay, here we go. There's a here. Okay, wow. That was a little quick. Oh, okay. How about this one? How about this one? Did you ever know that you're my hero? Oh, good. Bette Midler. Yeah, a little harder, right? Kind of in, in, the, in that demographic. Uh, how about this one? Sorry, sorry. Oh, hey, I'll, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Ooh, not a way to start off, Kamu. Come on. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> last one, last one. I can be your hero, baby. Enrique. Oh, we got a music. A lot of music people in here. All right. 
All right, so today we are not, obviously we're not talking about artists, music, hero, lyrics, things like that. Today, this person who I'm going to talk about is probably no stranger to many of you. His name is Joseph. Joseph. Now, show of hands, how many of you guys are the baby in the family? Show of hands. Babies in the family, right? Here we go. Now, um, you know, you might be considered uh, the favorite in your family even, right? Maybe uncle's favorite, tutu's favorite. Now, uh, for those of you who are the favorite in your family, there's no way you don't know you're the favorite in the family. Like, it's impossible for you not to know. And I know there's like this unspoken rule, like you're just kind of supposed to play it off that you're the favorite, but you know you know. Well, uh, you know, growing up for me, I was the favorite in my family. Uh, I have one older sister, and uh, if memories could talk on what she could share it would be phenomenal on how I could get away with absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. I mean, if, if I wanted to play with a toy, I could get her in trouble. If, uh, if we were playing and I didn't like how she was treating me, get her in trouble. Like, just on the dime, I, I just knew how to get her in trouble for no apparent reason. Now, I can feel the heat on all of the older siblings in the room right now. You're thinking, oh, you're that sibling in the family, you know? Oh, just thinking of all your childhood memories. Well, I was also traumatized by my sister. She actually, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. She actually used to dress me up as a girl. So, touche on all of us babies in the family. Oh, man. But, okay, back here, here we go. We're going to talk about Joseph. And, he, you know, if you guys know, Joseph was also the favorite in his family. Now, unlike me, one older sister, uh, he actually had 11 brothers and was the second youngest in his family. Second youngest. Now, you might be thinking, wait, second youngest? How is he the favorite in his family? And the best way that I can explain this to you is to really show you his genealogy, his family genealogy. Now, before we do that, I want to make sure you understand, Joseph was probably a part of the craziest blended family you will ever, ever, ever read, know about anything in everything. Crazy blended family. Okay, here we go. First one, Jacob. Jacob is Joseph's dad. Now, Jacob, in this line of genealogy, he had four wives. Four wives. I know it's kind of weird. First out is sisters. Okay, I mean, it's already getting crazy. Uh, Leah and Rachel. They're sisters. Now, just long story short, Jacob loved Rachel. First love, just loved Rachel, but kind of some trickery by his uncle ended up having to marry Leah first, and so that happened. And, uh, and then to, to kind of add to their, his wives, they were the two uh, maidservants. And so, next slide, please. Here we go. Zilpah and Bilhah. Okay, so four women. I'll kind of explain it as we go. I know it's already starting to get hairy. You're thinking, you might even be thinking, what, this is in the Bible? It is. I, long, uh, well, we can get there later, all right? Just kind of bear with me. Okay, so out the gates, Leah. She has four kids, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Now, what had happened is uh, they ha- she has four kids, and then Rachel, you know, she's like, oh, I want kids, you know, but she can't because she, she, she's, um, she, can't, she can't bear kids right now. And so she looks at her maidservant, and this is where the kind of the next wife comes in. She's like, oh, maidservant, go and have kids for me. So Bilhah has Dan and Naphtali. Now, Leah looks across the way, sees what her sister does, and is like, 
wow, I see what you did there. I'm going to use my maidservant. And so she goes, uses Zilpa, Gad and Asher. Things are getting crazy. I know it's like, what is happening right now uh, in this family? And, and so later on, Leah's like, hey, I want more kids. Not as if, you know, that was enough. So she has three more, Issachar, Zebulun, Dinah, Jacob's only daughter. Finally, 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 God has favor with Rachel, opens up her womb, right, and gives her two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. Now, if you can't tell by this picture by now on how Joseph is the favorite in the family, he is the firstborn son of his true love, Rachel. Okay, you you following me? You guys tracking along? All right, so this whole genealogy is important to know because obviously the message today or the message today is not about their family. It's about Joseph, but to understand how he's the favorite is really important as we progress into, into really digesting his life together this morning. Now, if Joseph were to stand with us this morning, if he was on this stage giving a message, and he was giving his life message, right? Take all the accounts of his life, and he's like, you get one sentence. What would that be? I believe that his message, his statement that he would share with us this morning uh, is this. God's plan is always good. If you guys are writing notes on on the paper, you guys can add that to that paper. God's plan is always good. Okay? So, you guys ever make plans and, uh, and you're really excited about those plans and then all of a sudden, they kind of blow up in your face, right? Maybe you might be planning this special birthday party or maybe there's the family vacation that you're planning, or maybe as simple as a, a, a really nice dinner with a loved one. And you, you're really excited. Almost, you, can, you can pretty much see every single detail. Like you're planning this so much that you're thinking, okay, this is the kind of birthday cake I want to get because of this. She likes this, or he likes this. And, or you're looking at, oh, these are the kind of reservations. Making this reservation, I want this place. Can we get this table in front of this window in this direction? And I'm telling you, you your heart is in this plan. Like you are so excited about this plan. And then all of a sudden, blows up in your face. I mean, as we're walking through the steps of Joseph this morning, much of what has made him who he is 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 because of the experiences he experienced because of a plan or a dream that he had. And and it really, everything just blew up in his face. Now, uh, I want to take a look at Scripture this morning. We're going to kind of go through a lot of Scripture today, so kind of track with me as much as you can. Let me just preface before we jump into Scripture Here's what's happening right in this time of Scripture, okay? So Joseph, remember, he's the second youngest son of his family. He's the favorite of all his sons. His entire family knows about it. Uh, he's kind of a noodle or in his family, kind of a brat in his family. And at this point in Scripture, he's 17 years old, okay? So I'm going to start off Genesis 37, verse 5. It'll come up on the screen. And you guys just read along with me. I'll read it for you, just kind of track on the screen. Here we go. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. Wait, what? (laughs) 
We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. <laughs> I'm sorry, who is this kid? You can already tell, right? I'm, I'm already irritated right now. So basically, we have Joseph, right? And he's telling his brothers... Uh, hey, your bundles are going to bow, bow, bow low down before mine. And his brothers were not okay with this dream. Not okay, not on board. Scripture says this, verse 8. And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Now, you know in your family, right, with your siblings, any time that they are not, ha- like, not happy with you not okay with you, right? Anything you said or did, like even unspoken, you just know that they're not okay. So obviously I'm thinking, hey, Joseph has to know. And like sharing this dream, they're not stoked about it. He ends up having another dream. And instead of him keeping it to himself, man, he goes and shares it again with his brothers. And this time includes his dad. This is what it says, verse 9. Listen! I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. (laughs) What? I mean, this raised a lot of anger and disruption in his home, right? Thinking about all the things that Joseph is saying, it's really hard for them to really think, how is any of this going to become a reality? I mean, even his dad was thinking, where is, where is he getting this from? You know, bringing it closer to, a little, uh, to us a, a little bit more for today in our lives, you know, what happens when you're headed in the direction where you think that this is the place, this is the direction that God is leading you to, but all of a sudden, maybe your family is, doesn't support you, or maybe your friends don't support you. I remember a story in, uh, in youth ministry uh, about a kid, and I, mean, I don't know if you guys remember, we just had camp, right? Some of the high schoolers, they just had camp, came back from Legacy, Hilo, and all that. And one of, one of the kids, uh, kind of a while ago, he, went, he had an experience, a camp experience, where he went from being someone who was kind of mm, about God to completely sold out. Like, you're thinking a total 180 shift. And he starts to experience God and learn more about who God is. And I'm looking at him like, wow, this is awesome. Like, this is awesome. He's, he's diving into church, going, attending weekly with our, with our kids' ministry, and then uh, making new friends, you know, really, really doing great with his life, making good decisions. And then come to find out his parents aren't really on board with what's happening. You know, so... You know, they, they, they kind of are, are wondering, like, hey, what's wrong with you? Or stop acting like that. Or you know what? I don't think it's good for you to go to church. Or you shouldn't be having those kind of church friends. And I remember looking at this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Ah, what are, you know, you, there's not much you can do. But, oh, man, God, want, God is after you. And I, I just, it broke my heart. And, you know, I'm just thinking about, about that. And, and maybe there might be some of you in here, and it might not be parents, per se, in your situation, but you might be on, in a place where you're experiencing God, or maybe diving into God a little bit more, trying to discover who He is, and there's not a lot of support for you from your friends, family. Can I just pause really quickly just to encourage you? 
can I just encourage you to press through? Just for a season, press through. Figure out who God is. I promise it, you, you will not be let down. If it means, hey, maybe pressing through for like a week or a couple weeks or a month, whatever that looks like for you, be encouraged today that as much as you are trying to discover God, he's after you as well. All right, so getting back into Joseph, his journey continues. Brothers and family are not stoked with what he's saying, right? So his brothers hate him so much that they actually plot to kill him. Uh, and they change their mind. They don't want the blood on their hands, and so they end up selling him into slavery. Uh, Joseph ends up being a slave to a man named Potiphar, who is the captain of the palace guard uh, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And um, because of all of this belief in this dream, he finds himself as a slave. I mean, talk about a, a beginning of a valley in his life, right? A valley in his life. Just imagining. Can you imagine? He's now a slave from what? Just because of a dream. But remember, what would Joseph say? God's plan is always good. God's plan is always good. As a slave, Scripture points out this, Genesis 39, verse 2. It'll come up. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served. Basically, Joseph had a lot of fruit in his life. Uh, a lot of things that were happening that he would tend to spend time with, good things would happen because of him. And so much so that his master started to notice, and so he decided to give Joseph uh, all the responsibilities in charge of his entire household and property. Uh, verse 5 says this, 39 verse 5, From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Wow, that's really cool. Really crazy, just the kind of favor that God has over Joseph and realizing the kind of fruit that is coming out of his life. I mean, talk about going from a valley, right, becoming a slave to now being responsible of his entire household. I mean, it it's, seems like you're coming up on a hill a little bit of life. Pretty cool. You know, when it comes to figuring out if, if, uh, if whether or not what you are doing is in line with God's plan, my suggestion for you is to just look at the fruit. Look at the fruit in your life. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of feeling of just a renewed comfort. I'm speaking of whether or not God is using you to give life or to be a blessing to the lives of those that are around you. You know, so in the moments where, you know, your family may not support you or your life situation may be turning for the worst or can I encourage you, just look at the fruit. Look at the fruit and realize that God's plan is always good. God's plan is always good. You know, Joseph's life is probably starting to get a little comfortable right now. I mean, although technically he is a slave, I think it's safe to assume that with all the things that the favor and things that his master is giving him, he is not living like the typical slave that we would think in our minds. And so it's like, oh, okay, great. You know, went from that valley to the hill, but yet the plot thickens. Plot thickens. 
Potiphar's wife, his master's wife, starts to tempt Joseph to be with her. I want to read this to you, uh, verse 10. Now, there are parentheses in this. It says B. Uh, that's not what it says in the Bible. I just want to kind of keep it PG in the room for any kids in the room. So you guys can just kind of track. You'll get it when we get there. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to be with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, be with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. So basically, Potiphar's wife tempts him, right? Joseph runs. The wife actually ends up yelling and screaming, making up this whole story that it was Joseph who was trying to take advantage of her, which then ends up Joseph landing in prison. But remember, God's plan is always good. God's plan is always good. And I, you know, I'm thinking about where we are right now, even in Joseph's story. I think, man, it has to be like one of the best movies you have ever watched. Just the way that the plot is going, the character development. I'm like, man, I am so glad that they made a movie for Joseph. Let me check it out. Really good, right? It's a good, it's a good epic film, I promise. You can tell I have some four-year-old boys in, in the house, but hey, it's a really good movie. Anyway, Joseph goes on, okay? He goes, he goes from being a slave, he becomes number two in his master's household, uh, and, and, and then he, he gets put in prison from something that he didn't do. In a very clear description, I would say that he has been wrongfully accused. Wrongfully accused. I mean, can you remember a time in your life where you have been wrongfully accused? Maybe someone might have misunderstood that email you wrote at work. It became a huge issue, right? Then you had to go and deal with it, wrongfully accused. Or maybe you forgot to keep your spouse in the loop uh, on where you'd be. A couple hours later, oh man, just a huge issue, wrongfully accused. Or maybe you might have been wrongfully accused and you feel like, man, there's nothing that I can do about this. There's nothing that I can do. You know, looking at Joseph and what Scripture says, the only thing that I can tell you about how Joseph got through this current situation is this. Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. The Lord was with Joseph. Lord was with Joseph. I mean, how many of you guys would want that written about you, you and your life, right? The Lord was with John. The Lord was with Brandon. You know, I pray that this is honestly a reality for my life. The Lord was with Kamu and showed him his faithful love. And that what I love, the coolest part about this scripture when I'm reading it is, is that it says God showed him his faithful love. He didn't just say that he loved him. He actually showed him this love. And so guess what happens? A lot of fruit happens in his life. Lots of fruit. So then ends up going from that valley back on that hill of life. Whatever Joseph touched turned to gold. This is what scripture says, verse 22. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. I mean, that's crazy, right? 
When I think about trying to imagine how Joseph was behaving and feeling in, this, in his situation, in his life, it's kind of hard for me to actually put two and two together. Because on one hand, Joseph, he didn't really do anything wrong, right? And besides being a noodle in his family uh, and being the favorite, he didn't, there's nothing of what has happened to him thus far is of merit to anything that he's done in his past. But then, in his situ- uh, on the other hand, um, there's a lot of fruit that's happening around him. There's a lot of good things that are happening. Like everything that he starts to do just becomes successful. And so I'm thinking that the only way for fruit to happen with anything that Joseph is involved in, even after being wrongfully accused, Joseph would have had to respond in a life-giving way. Now, I'm guessing just for many of us in this room, if injustice were to happen in our lives, I mean, for me, being wrongfully accused, I don't know if the next thing that would be be written about me is before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything. And so in my mind, I'm just assuming that this could be somewhat of the internal dialogue that Joseph actually went through. Okay, this is kind of just an assumption of internal dialogue. Well, he's like, well, you know, this happened and I, I didn't really do anything wrong Mm, I do believe that God allowed this to happen. And, you know, I might as well find out what God is doing instead of trying to vindicate my situation when there's really probably nothing I can do any, anyway. And plus, if God is taking me through this, I wonder what he's brewing for my future. Hmm. So Joseph, you know, he was a slave. He gets thrown into prison And now he's in prison taking care of of everything that the warden has given him responsibility over. Two guys in specific I want to highlight that was put under Joseph's care, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and Pharaoh's baker. Now apparently they offended Pharaoh, which ended them in prison. And so while in prison, the cupbearer and the baker both have dreams. And back then they had they had specific individuals that could interpret dreams, but in these dreams, no one could except Joseph. And so Joseph, he, he interprets the dreams and adds a personal request to, to the chief cupbearer in anticipation for their, for their release. And I want to highlight this through, through the scripture this morning. We can read together in verse 14. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I did nothing wrong to deserve it. Three days later, Joseph actually interpret, uh, his interpretation comes true. Uh, Both men were released and when the opportunity presents itself, right? When, when Joseph kind of grabs it and remind, tries to ask them uh, to remember him, this is what happens. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Man, what a bummer. Oh, I mean, just think about it, right? He's gone through some stuff. Gone through some stuff. And um, we actually finally get a glimpse of his feelings. He wants out. There's an opportunity to help him, and then he gets forgotten. I mean, talk about another going into another valley of life. 
I mean, I'm sure many of us can probably relate, right? Going just hills and valleys, hills and valleys. And you know how long Scripture says that Joseph was forgotten? Two years. Two years forgotten in prison. I mean, just think about it. In our fast-moving society, that's a really, really long time. Now, you know, Joseph becoming enslaved, and he's imprisoned, and now he's forgotten. But if you can remember, even in the midst of all of the different seasons that he's going through, whether something really bad or really good, his life message that he is going to tell us today is God's plan is always good. God's plan is always good. You know, I'm sure many of us have probably had instances in, in, in our lives where we felt forgotten at one point. I remember for me, there was a story. Uh, I was just getting into serving and, and being in church and kind of experiencing these new people, new environment. And uh, with a few new friends, we decided, hey, let's go golfing. That's pretty fun, right? And so it's like, okay, well, let's go golfing. And instead of going on the weekend, we decide, hey, we're going to go on the weekday. It's not as crowded. It's like perfect. Back then, I'm not exactly on staff at a church and I have a, I have a job. And so I ended up taking off for the day just so that I could, um, I could be and, you know, build community. And I'm sure, you know, for all of you who are trying to make new friends or enter into new community, you kind of got to put yourself out there, right? You, you kind of have to make some sacrifices at times. And so I take off of work that day. I call I call them. I'm like, hey, where's golfing? You know, where, where are we headed? Where's, where are we going to have fun? And they're like, oh, we're actually not going to golf. I was like, what? Okay, thank you. Oh, you know, just, oh, I felt so forgotten. And, and you know, I'm thinking, yeah, my story has, there is no weight compared to what Joseph has went through in his life, right? I mean, just thinking about being forgotten or even the story that you might have in your life of being forgotten. Golfing, really not that big of a deal. But man, when you think about trying to just get into the mind, into the life of Joseph, he's gone through some things, gone through some things. Now, Joseph's infamous life message comes to uh, a resolve when Pharaoh himself has a dream, and, and no one could interpret it. But the chief cupbearer remembers, re- remembers Joseph. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream And then Pharaoh gets promoted to second in command over Egypt. I mean, talk about this journey of his life. And can I I just show you a timeline of Joseph's life over the course of these events? You know, he's the favorite of his son, and then he gets put into slavery. Then he he becomes the manager of Potiphar's house, and then he goes into prison. And then he becomes the prison manager, and then he gets forgotten two years later after that Finally, second in command over Egypt. I mean, this, this period of his life that this, he went through, that's 15 years. 15 years of his life. I mean, just imagine if your story would look like this for 15 years. What is the message that you would say? I know when, I, when I'm reading Scripture, when I'm understanding who Joseph is, man, he is saying God's plan is always good. God's plan is always good. This morning, I don't know where you are in your journey of life, whether you may be in a hill of life and things are going really well. Things are comfortable and you can actually have a lot of things that you can thank God for of what you're going through. Or 
You might be in a valley of life. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of hope. Constantly asking God why. This morning, I want to share with you a song that I, I want to I sing. And as I sing this, can I just take some time together to just pause our life and reflect? Reflect where you are. Ask God some questions. Praise God for whatever things that are going well for you. Because maybe you, you don't know when the next valley of your life is. Or you're hoping for that hill of life to come soon. And I pray that in this time together, we can just really lay ourselves down before God and say, Hey God, I may not have all the answers. I don't know what's next in my life, but I can say, I do trust you. And I, I, can, I can, would you help me understand that God's plan is always good. Hey, would, you, would you guys stand with me? Thank you. Would you guys stand with me this morning together as a church? You know, I feel like there are some people in this room that have gone through long seasons of laying down your life. You know, you might be looking, maybe it's in your marriage. You've been praying for your spouse day and night, praying for your spouse. You want them to come to know Jesus. Maybe it might be in your career, your job. You feel like maybe you're at a dead end. There's nowhere else to go. You don't know what to do. Or maybe you've been in a season where you have been single for a very long time and your heart's desire is to find the person that, you, that God has put for you. Maybe you might be looking at your family and you have a desire to have a family, but for some reason you cannot. Or maybe you look at your family and you've been praying for them for a very long time to come to know Jesus. Can I just encourage you this morning that God's plan is always good. God's plan is always good. You know, when I think about this plan that God has and how he's designed each and every one of us, can I encourage you this morning that you have been uniquely designed for a specific purpose to make a difference in this world for Jesus' name. There is something about you that he has purposed for your life to make Jesus famous with the lives around you, whether in your job, whether in your family, whether in your marriage. And can I encourage you, God's plan is always good. You might be in a situation where you're in a hill or you're in a valley. Would today be the day that it, seek, that it literally comes into your heart and you believe with your entire being that God has your back? God has you right where he wants you. You know, when I think about this big picture of what God is doing from the, the very beginning of creation up until now and Jesus and everything, did you know that, that this family that we, 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 we learned about, this messed up family, is where Jesus comes from? And I'm thinking to myself, man, if this is, is, is the plan that God has to use this kind of family, kind of messed up a little bit, and, and a plan for the salvation of this entire world, how much more does he want to use you? How much more does he want to use you? And all it requires is just wake up, guys. Wake up. Be encouraged that God is after you. Now, 
doesn't mean, it doesn't mean crazy things. I just know that God wants you to take one step forward. And today I feel like this morning as a, as a family together, I want to give you an opportunity res- to respond. I want to give you an opportunity. I don't know where you are in your life, but hey, just for the sake of, of our own privacy, would you bow your heads with me this morning? Close your eyes. and Hey, if, if what God is doing in your life today, you feel like, man, I have forgotten who God is in my life. And today I want to say yes again. Today I want to, I, I feel encouraged again to get up and live for Jesus one more time and really commit myself. Would you just raise your hand this morning? Would that be the cry of your heart for today? Go ahead, just keep raising your hand. You know, honestly, when I, when I encourage people to raise their hand, it's not really for me to see. It's not about the numbers. I really don't care. I feel like when we raise our hands, just like in worship, it's literally an act, a physical act of a commitment that we are making to God with our heart. You guys can put your hands down. Hey, if you want, if, if this is your first time to church, or maybe you've been being introduced to Jesus, and today for some reason God has been putting something on your heart, and you want to enter into a relationship with God, would you also raise your hand at this time? You want to start a relationship with God today. You're realizing he does have a plan, and it is good, and it involves me. If that's you, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you guys? Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the power that you are, who you are in our lives, that as we continue to take one step closer to you, Lord, would you empower us? Would you equip us? Would you give everything we need to love you, to understand you, to be with you? Give us our our next step. We thank you, Lord. You know, if you guys remember the... um, the bells from last week, Pastor Creighton. It was awesome. I love I loved that message. And I, want, I feel like I want to take it a step further. That in this, in this whole journey that you're on, whether you're in a hill or a valley, every morning, every morning, would you just wake up and ask God, hey, God, what do you want me to do today? How can I be a blessing to those around you? Anytime you move that bell, would you just remember God's plan is always good. God's plan is always good. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name.